This is The Ryan Reese Show. Post your questions using at Ryan Reese on his Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook. Are you ready? All right. I'm pumped about this show. First of all, because... This show is a long time coming. I got my friend Ben Corson in studio. A lot of you guys, uh, you guys know him because he's on a lot of the radio stations that we're on. How many stations are, are your show on now? Well, with CSN, we're on about 497. That's amazing, yeah. huh? Yeah. yeah, it's amazing. We're so thankful. Well, let me tell you a little bit about Ben, and then we're going to get into this because this is actually an interview that I've been waiting for for a long time because we have similar uh, backgrounds as far as um, our fathers are are. Uh, senior pastors and part of the original Calvary Chapel That's movement. Right. We're both traveling evangelists, Bible teachers. Um, ben, you're, you're on several stations teaching. You got books out that we're going to talk about. And um, I personally, I want to hear your story because we met like, I don't know, maybe, I don't know how many, four years ago or, or yeah. something like We've that. We've done about eight gazillion events together. Yeah, yeah. And we keep crossing paths, but, but I haven't heard the whole story. And you know, it's not every day that you run into someone that has a very similar background. And I'm so curious to hear how it was with you growing up in this in this environment of, because your dad's uh, John Corson yes. and everyone has heard of John Corson. And let me tell you one thing about John Corson, your dad. Yeah. So- I was in Hawaii with my dad, and they were teaching at a one of the um, conferences there. And I was young; I was I wasn't really into God at that moment. But I remember your dad came up and taught. And I, I sat through the whole conference, and your dad came up and taught. I didn't know who he was, and I, I mean, I was young; I was probably like in fourth, fifth grade. But the way your dad came up and and preached and delivered the message, it was so understandable, so relatable. Yeah. And I was a young kid, and I just remember at that point, I was so on fire for God because I felt like that was the first time I heard a message that really, like, connected with me, that I really understood. Because it's different. Like, my dad's my dad. And, yeah. you know, I don't know. I wasn't, like, I didn't want anything to do with God growing up. But I also didn't want to listen to my dad as well. But your dad had a huge impact in my life from a very young age, and it kind of turned it on for me. Wow. And, uh, wow, it was a, it was a really cool and thing. That's amazing. Cause I just met your dad for the first time, which is really <laughs> ironic because our dads come from the same circles from the groundswell grassroots origins of the Calvary Chapel movement. Yeah. And, and that I've never met your dad. It's kind of funny. Is so that like crazy? Right before this, I meet your dad and we were talking about how there are very few people who are doing what we're doing as fathers and sons when it comes to you and your dad, me and my dad. So yep. they're both senior pastors of the Calvary Chapel movement and we're the crazy PKs who are out there traveling the world and speaking. You know what, that's interesting because, you know, when when you think about when Calvary Chapel movement started, it started with the 12 guys and and then there was like in that group, there was like a couple evangelists, right? There was like my dad, there was uh, Greg Laurie, yeah. uh, Mike McIntosh. Yeah. And was your dad an evangelist or he was just, a, he was a, just he a, or, or was he just an epic Bible teacher? Epic Bible teacher <laughs> that did the work of an evangelist in a very effective way. Yeah, yeah. And, and but was I, he a traveling or? He, more, he would travel and speak at yeah. a lot of conferences, churches. But having said that, like, I remember he did an, a, a stadium event in Cerritos. Is that a city? Yeah, yeah. At, at a college stadium and with Rebecca St. James back in the day. Remember her? No, I don't. Okay, she I was don't. a Christian artist back in the day. But but all these people would come forward. And, um, I mean, even at Applegate, our home church, he's baptized thousands and thousands yeah. and thousands of people. He just does it right there at the church. But you, yeah. on the other hand, are more of a, uh, you're, you're a Bible teacher, but yet you're a, an event. Hope dealer. Yeah. You are. You are a hope dealer. And I have used that before. Yeah. Somewhere, somehow, that has come to my, my mind. Yeah. But what I love about what's been going on with you, we're, uh, before we go back to the beginning, is that 
during the pandemic, you have not stopped. I've been following your social media and dude, you've been inspired me because there's not many that just are, are still in the full send mode full and send. going out, not scared of what's going to happen, yeah. but, but bringing hope because people are so desperate during this time and you have not stopped. I mean, how many, yeah. how many events have you been doing in this last year? I mean, you're, it looks like you're just like, yeah, I mean, I, I'm li- like like you, Ryan. I'm living on airplanes in this season because it's either full send or no send. There's no like, are you a moderate sender? Right. Like you either yeah, no you either thing. get after it or you don't. And for me, like I, I what I've said to our Hope Generation team is that while the world's on pause, we're pressing fast forward. That's what I told our admin guy. I like, like that. When when the world is on pa- pause, we're pressing fast forward. This is actually giving us an opportunity to warp speed, light speed our message because the world is looking for something right now. These are chaotic crises of a, t- of a t- time and epoch in which we live. People are looking for this. So, what, what are you uh, what are you experiencing out there when you're when you're going out and speaking? Like, what's the pulse of what people are going through? I think people are scared. Yeah, and I think the anger that people are experiencing on social media politically yep. is rooted in fear. I think there's a lot of fear. People are scared regarding what's going to happen in the future, geopolitically, uh, domestically, when it comes to COVID-19, when it comes to the racism, like it, it, the COVID-19 vaccines. People, I think, are very afraid because yeah. these times feel unprecedented. When I've actually been telling my home church, a lot of the things that are happening right now yep. have actually happened before, mm-hmm. just in different variants and stuff. So I want to really give people consolation, comfort, and hope during times of fear. And the hope is a relationship with Jesus Christ and know that he's in control. This is not, he, it's not like he didn't see this coming. Right, God's not like whoops. <laughs> God's never said whoops. Yeah, exactly. That's not, that's not a word in His vocabulary. I love how in seventeen of the twenty-two chapters in Revelation, on roughly forty-five occasions, John sees God seated on a throne. So that's saying that all of history is moving toward a theocracy. People are like, are we losing our democracy? Is it going to be an oligarchy, an autocracy, a plutocracy, a tyranny? No, it's a. We're going toward a theocracy where God's rule and reign comes to earth as perfectly as it is above. So. That hope sustains us. That God, a word in his vocabulary that he's never said is, whoops, God's not like, oh gosh, yeah. I really did not see this coming. And, and, that, and that hope gives us stability and we can be a non-anxious presence in the world. Like we can mm-hmm. be very peaceful and joyful and I'm, I'm keep skateboarding. Yeah, I've seen you. I you see know, you, yeah. we, we get after it, dude. Exactly. So check this out. Your, your message is you're a hope dealer. Mm-hmm. And I know that, you know, from what I've heard from you, hanging out with you is that you went through some pretty dark stuff in your mm-hmm. life. Yeah. And right now the pulse of the world, like you were saying is there's a lot of people that feel like they're in darkness. There's anxiety, depression, suicide. People are knowing themselves with addictions mm-hmm. just to like not think. Yeah. I remember head, you know, Brian head Welch, the guy from court. Yeah, of course. So I haven't met him, but I know yeah. So you got to meet him one day. Uh, but he told me like when nine 11 hit, he wasn't a Christian and, and you know, the planes hit the building. Yeah, of course. He said he went and got a 12 pack. He thought it was the end of the world. And he just got wasted because he just didn't want to think. And that's what's going on with people right now. Yeah, is that's a good point. There's a lot of people that are just scared. I mean, there's, yeah. I know people that from what I've heard from a friend of a friend is that they have family members that have not left the house since the whole thing. Like imagine being that scared and wow. stuck in the house, depressed and just scared. But what I want to do is I want to go back to the maybe like a little bit of the beginning of your story because I personally yeah. want to hear the whole thing is, you know, you grew up in this family mm-hmm. and like people would look at you and be you growing up as a youngster as you're like, oh, your dad is this mega church pastor. Mm-hmm. 
Ben has it all figured out. It's all good. And life is perfect. Rainbows and unicorns, as my daughters would yeah, say. Yeah. But how was that growing up in this uh, in this environment of a... To, to be honest, I had a wonderful childhood. Yeah. Like, I, I really did. I had an amazing childhood. I'm not saying everything was perfect, but it was pretty fluffy, you know? Yeah, like, yeah. Um, but there was one event that really stood out to me that... Uh, I I've never forgotten. That's kind of ingrained like psychic acid on my memory. And that is, I remember my, my sister was having a conversation with my dad, my sister, Jessica. And she said, dad, I'm going to be single for the rest of my life. And my dad's like, why? And she said, because you always tell me to marry somebody godlier than I am. And I'm the godliest person I know. So <laughs> like I'm going to be single for the rest. So she said it very tongue in cheek, super yeah, totally. charming, charismatic girl. How old is she at that time? She's 16. Okay. The next day, she passed away in a car accident. Mm-hmm. And my brother came home to deliver the news, and he said, Jessica has found her man. Wow. She's found her man. The bride of Christ has finally found somebody godlier than she is. She's with somebody godlier than yeah. her now. Yeah. Jesus. And my brother who delivered that news, um, what's, what's wild is he passed away two years ago tomorrow, actually. And he died from colon cancer. And... At his deathbed, me and my dad heard this song come on the radio at his deathbed. It was the song Take My Hand and Walk by a Christian band called The Cry that we listened to growing up. Mm -hmm. And that was the same song that played at my sister's memorial service. No way. So, so my the, yeah. the the one real tragedy I remember as a child mm-hmm. was the, the you know how the songs bring up memory senses. Yeah, totally. Like yeah. that. Whenever I hear that song, "Take My Hand and Walk," it just brings me back to my sister. That song, and this we're talking a '90s subculture Christian indie yeah. song. Yeah, I remember that. that it, you remember? Yeah, yeah, that it happened to come on the radio, like shuffle on the radio when my at my brother's deathbed, and shortly after that, he went to heaven. I, somebody messaged me and said, your brother graduated. And I just picture with that song, take my hand and walk. Like I will hold you with my righteous right hand. Isaiah says that the Lord declares like with one hand, he's walking Peter down the graduation aisle and saying, well done, good and faithful servant. And with the other hand, walking my sister down the wedding aisle saying, you found your man. And like, so I think things like that really force you to face the darker side of life and the real tragedy. Because it's one thing if you have a whole theology of heaven, it's another thing when people you really care about die. Then you have to really dig deep. And so all of which to say that memory of my sister, Jessica, and we had honestly, Ryan, like maybe it's selective memory here, but I never got in a fight with my sister, Jessica. Like I I don't remember ever getting in a fight with her. Not once. Um, She... I don't want to paint a hagiography like, like, you know, taking out all the warts or something, but, but man, she, she, she's like one of those people that I think is too good for this world. Like how Mm -hmm. Hebrews says, remember when Hebrews says these guys got sawed in half and, you know, persecuted and killed and sewn in lion skin because the world was not worthy of them. That's kind of how I picture my sister, Jessica. So that's the dominant memory as a kid that I, that I have when it comes to tragedy. But other than that, dude, growing up was pretty pretty fluffy other than that so the question is when you were growing up from from that point did you because you're you're in you're in ministry your dad's in ministry so mm-hmm. you're kind of like in the shadow in a sense mm-hmm. of like you're i mean you're a kid so you're yeah. not in the shadow you're just a kid yeah growing up in this family but people think that you're in the shadow and would they would people be like like did you have a call to like speak to be a pastor in anything in ministry or were you just kind of floating around dude i wanted to be reggie white do you know who reggie white is no who's that? he played he played <laughs> uh he played for the packers the okay. green bay packers all right and he was a preacher 
All right. So he played in the NFL and was a preacher. Nice. Dude, I, I was like any kid. Like at that point, yeah. I just wanted to play sports. I wanted to be yeah. a professional football, basketball, and baseball player as a kid. So I just played the I, I played seven years of base or six years of baseball or something. Yeah, six years of baseball. I played football growing up. I played basketball all the way deep into high school. You know what I mean? So I kind of lived for tr training and sports. And That's why you got coordination for skating. Well, I'm actually terrible at skating. Really? Running. You're you're good. I can't even <laughs> kickflip, so it's pretty Well, bad. you can't kickflip a longboard. Well, yeah, that's true. That's true. I can tear my acroclavicular. I tore my AC longboarding. But, but you know what? I actually gave my first sermon in third grade. Did you? Yeah. So I kind of, oh that was kind of just in me. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. And then I started preaching regularly at 16. But really? Yeah. So like you were doing like, like young adults, high well, school, dude, or what was well, it? Well, high school is when everything changed for me. Okay. Because high school, we moved from Oregon to Orange County. So did you, did you no, know that? So no. my dad helped Chuck with Don McClure and Brian Broderson and Chuck, my dad, they were all pastoring together when I was in high school. So you were here. I was in Orange County. Crazy. I, I love OC. It feels, it feels like home to me. Awesome. So uh, in Costa Mesa, grew up there, um, was playing basketball and, uh, I, we had, we would have, I, I, I think by the last Bible study, my mom calculated maybe like 200 people came over to our house for this Bible study. No way. Yeah. So in the, then I started people my, like my dad would have me come up and preach sometimes at Costa Mesa on like a Tuesday night. Are you serious? Yeah, dude. As, as a teenager. Dude, that's epic. And so I gave my first sermon. That's so that. epic that you can, you would go up there and just do that. You got to send. So at, <laughs> at 16 years old, the first message I ever gave outside of my home church to another church uh, was, um, was actually a uh, refuge Huntington beach. Yep. You Bill know Welsh. Yeah. Yeah. Bill, yeah Welsh. Bill. So that was the first message I gave. And I just spoke there again recently. So, so it was like coming home. Heck yeah. But yeah, I just started so people started finding out about it similar, you know, to, to your story in many ways, like just slowly, but surely momentum builds. And then I I've been traveling for, uh, so when people are like, you're so young, like I've been doing this a long time. Now I have a question though. You got in a serious relationship, right? Mm -hmm. Now tell us about that. Yeah, well, so Wait, was that like uh, was that like right after high school? So when yeah, so when I was twenty years old, um, I actually I got married. Orange County. On well, ironically, she was at the Bible study in Orange County one time because of family friends. Okay. But she's from Oregon, so okay, got I, it. I met her. Um, I, I really got to know her more. I should mm -hmm. say, got to know her more in Oregon. So, um, and that that for eight years, and that was a big part of my story. And then four years ago. Uh, I actually gave a message about it and it's, it's weird because this message is the one that has helped people the most. Yeah. And it's, it was the most painful message I, I ever had to give because, um, because yeah, I, I share about it in that message, but I basically long story short, got yeah. heartbroken and, yeah. you know, and I know that story. Yeah. It's not, and, and I, you, you've been through well, something similar. I, I, yeah. I, my, my heart got ripped out of my, uh, chest. Yeah. That, that happened to me but, too. But really so, bad. so, but, but the reason why I want you to speak into this is mm -hmm. because, um, I mean, we were talking about divorce rate today in my dad's office right before you showed up. This, oh, it's really? like 50%. It's like, yeah. I mean, there's like people are getting hurt. Things are happening. Yeah. But, but God is in the and business. I wonder what the rates would be if it wasn't for having kids. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. I wonder what the statistics would be if there weren't kids in the picture. Like how many of the 50% that stay together are staying less. together for their kids? Yeah. Or, or kids could be dividing them too. Could people just, Oh, I mean, too that, many kids and maybe, just, maybe well, either one, who yeah. knows? Yeah. So, so what would you say? Because God's in the business of restoring lives and, mm -hmm. and starting new of what she did with me. And obviously he's doing with you as well. But what, um, how, like, how was that going through that? Like you guys got divorced 
and what was the process of like, how, how did God restore you and, and, and help you during that, that time? Like, what did you do during that time? For God to, I mean, well, here's the thing. I would like to say like, oh, I just have all my trust back in when it comes to like relationships or yeah. something. But I don't think it, that, 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 that trust is, it takes a while to, to feel like you can trust somebody again. Dude, it took me like 15 years. That's what I'm saying. So I wish I could give a nice, neat, right angle. Like, yeah. oh yeah, I got that dialed. Yeah. I, I'm definitely on the path. Like I'm yeah. very, I feel very mentally healthy. Yeah, yeah. But at this, like, of course. But what you have to understand though is like, from 18 years old, when I was a senior in high school, to 28, I was suicidally depressed. So that that's the thing. Like, I'm talking, I would take my friend's motorcycle. I didn't have a license, didn't have a helmet, didn't even know how to really ride the full thing. Like, I'd ridden dirt bikes and stuff and, and when I was a kid, but yeah. I'd take, and i just ride at excessively fast speeds. I was, like, kind of being a passive victim, like, reckless, like, yeah, yeah. flirting with death all day. Like, yeah. I'd go up to the tallest building and walk on the handrail, just kind of... Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like you flirt with death. Yep. And I took up a knife even to kill myself at one point. And, um, now wait, was this before this was during the marriage well, after the marriage? So, or? so I'm So it was, so the suicidal depression began yeah. like a couple years before. Okay. Got Does it. that make sense? Yeah, so yeah. I was already, that was already a battle that I was really dealing with while you were married. And before. And, oh, and before. Got That's it. what I'm saying. Got so it. I was already struggling. Like, I kind of brought, I, I was already struggling with depression for a couple years. Got it. Got or whatever, it. You know, two, three years. Got it. So, all of, maybe, I think two and a half. All of which to say, um, yeah, I was in a really dark place. Not to mention, like, even to this day, dude, I have a guy who, I don't know if you have this or your dad has had this, but me and my dad have had this guy who stalks us. Oh, we've had stalkers. But, but, but he'll, he'll call ahead to places I go. That's happened before. Yeah. And, but, but he, for years, this, yeah. he's relentless and he did it when I was a kid to my dad. Now he does it to me. And Psycho. like he caused a car accident in Florida. I was doing a digital event in Florida a few months ago, caused a car accident. He was protesting so loud. Are you serious? Yeah, dude, it's gnarly. So, so when you have all this stuff going on yeah. and not to mention, were you friends with Jared Wilson? I met him through Instagram. So, so we were, we were friends like, I was hanging out with him literally a few weeks before he committed suicide. Mm -hmm. So all this stuff's happening. Yeah. And it's it, not to mention like my brother passing away and my sister. So and much stuff. Suicidal depression and, yeah. and feeling like this was another big, big piece of the puzzle. Like I'm, I'm, I think you and I really relate on this level, but like the religious mindset didn't work, work for me. You yeah. know, yep. I needed to do something different. Like, uh, Every generation has to own their own faith and having an incredible Bible teacher for a father, yeah. having literally the most joyful mother in the world. Mm -hmm. Like I, I still say to this day, when I grow up, if I ever do, I want to be like my mom. <laughs> like she's just great, you know, like, yeah. so having, I have, I'm just so thankful for my family, but, I, but you know how that is? Like you got to own your faith. Yeah. And yeah. sometimes you just, you see how people can treat you and. And you see what religion can do. Yep. And it's just like, not my, not my vibe, you know? Yep. And I remember like feeling like if I'm a pastor, I have to sit in an air conditioned room and just answer emails about why the music was too loud on Sunday. And I'm like, I don't want it. This is not me. Yeah. So I think for a long time I got that, that, that contributed to depression when I had these dreams of what I wanted to do, but feeling like the cognitive dissonance of not being able to really find the way to get there. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. And so it was like, it's almost like an identity crisis. Like you, you know what you're called to do, mm -hmm. but you're getting bombarded by all this, this, this stuff. And that's, 
You're good at pulling I, out the deep stuff. I'm, I'm going a lot deeper with you into the story than I usually do. I, I like, but you know, that's, that's, I can relate to that as well because you could get caught up in, in just the, the religious stuff that you're talking about, but you have to go deep and find out who you are. And, and who, it's depressing because religious is a lot out. It's a lot of projecting outward mm-hmm. to God and to people. Yeah. Yeah. Trying to be something. You're projecting to, to, this avatar image of the world. Yeah, that's exactly. So heavy to hold up. Like you're just, it but that's, but that's not relatable to people. And that's why most of my friends, mm-hmm. you, you'll like, you'll notice this are, are like you and my mm-hmm. friend, Ch- like the just really crazy people. Mm-hmm. I, I have this theory. I'm actually so curious what you're going to say about this, about pastor's kids. A lot of my friends are pastor's kids mm-hmm. because there's this sort of an understanding pastor's kids. You know how, like if, for those listening who maybe don't know this, I'm sure most people do, yeah. but pastor's kids have a, have a have a reputation of being rebellious. Right. So pastors, kids either rebel so much. They're just like off the deep end, right? Devil like, spawn. like, like just <laughs> off the deep end, like maybe even agnostic or atheist yeah. or whatever, just, yeah, yeah. just out or just, they don't, they're just way, way yeah. in the deep weeds of the tall grass of left field. Totally. Then, or you have the ones who do walk with God, but there's, they're, they're a little crazy. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. And, and those, that's, I've noticed that with all of us. I'm like, I was going to listen, like, why are most of my friends pastors kids? It's because we're all the ones that do choose to walk with God. We're choosing to walk with God, but we're a li- there's something like almost <laughs> not right. <then. laughs> well, I think, you know what I mean? Like we're all like really crazy because, well, I think because sometimes like, you know, when you get in ministry, you become a Christian, you could get caught up in the institution of the church and yes. the facade and the. How, you know, it, you know, people come to church and they, you know, you've heard this, like pastors will say, yeah, people come in, they put their best like outfits on and they come in and yeah. they, they, everyone's talking Christianese. Oh, yeah. I'm blessed brother. But the reality, but the re- the reality is like, yeah. you know what, man, I'm struggling right now. And that's why I'm coming to church because I'm struggling. I'm struggling with my kids. I'm struggling with my wife. I'm struggling with my yeah, career, there you go. but I'm here for church because it's the hospital and I'm looking to get fed. And that's there the reality. But, but people don't, you know, and us as pastors, kids, we've seen because our our dads are the same on the stage and off the stage, right? Yes. Because they're going to deliver the message yeah. and they're going to be the same person that they're off yeah. the stage. So we see that it's not a front that they're putting on. We see them in their their, their, their highs. We see them in their lows. And and the whole thing is we have to, um, we see basically, it's almost like the Wizard of Oz. You know, you see this facade, but then you look behind the curtain and you see what's really happening. Yeah. And us. But, 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 here, but here's the thing. Yeah. With my dad, and I'm curious what you're going to say about yeah. this, like, he really is what you see is what you get. Yeah. Like he really is that way. But but there's a lot of behind the scenes of how people. Yes. Do you know what I mean? There's a lot of people behind the curtain. Uh, That's what I mean. Exactly. The the whole institution. The whole institution. The whole institution. Because we are the church, as in we are the believers of the church. But the institution, you could get caught up in the the bells and whistles and the fireworks and all that stuff. But yet, as as Christian uh, pastors, kids, we know what what we know the difference between religion and shiny objects yeah. versus like a relationship with God just loving God and just being who you are and just going after it of course and that's why pastors kids because they could walk in and they could see I could walk backstage in a green room and I could be like something ain't right here like it's just kind yeah, 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 of or, of or course. you walk into a, a room like today when you walked into a room like yes. my dad everyone was normal it's like, normal like, what up it's so normal do- I love it's so, so there's, there's just but yeah. that's the thing with and yeah. then and because being a pastor's kid because you know you've seen it all so you just know what to go after like dude I'm going to go after God and I'm not going to play any games I'm not going to try to please nobody and okay, I'm so just you, going is that where Jesus. the PK craziness comes from yeah, even those who walk with God yeah, yeah. like there's not a lot of normal 
normal PKs who are walking with God. No. There, there's something slightly rebellious or crazy, but hopefully rebellious against the right things. Yes. Do you know what I mean? Yes. Rebellious against religiosity, yes. rebellious against churchianity, rebellious against the superfluities. Like I think of that, that verse, um, I will, I will shake the foundation so that which cannot be shaken may remain. Like the stuff that you can just kind of, that needs to be shaken off, that stuff goes away. But the really elemental things remain. Absolutely. You know? So I, I was I was meeting with uh, the the director of the Billy Graham Association a while ago, and I was telling him about, you know, oh my man, I'm so bummed, I'm so angry at the the church because this and this. We need to reach kids. We need to stop playing games. We just got to go give these kids the gospel, and everyone's getting all tied up and like, oh, that mood, the music sounds too crazy, or you can't do this. And he's like, Ryan, Ryan, hold on. He's all. You're not mad at the church. He's all, we are the church. He's all, you're mad at the institution of the that's church. Right, that's and right, like, that's right. And I'm like, that's it. And he, and he, and I'm like, that's what. Because criticizing the church is just boring. Yawnsville. We've no. done that. Everyone's moved to New York. Roll your eyes. Postmodernism. We've done that. But being mad at the institution. Yes. That's and that, that's and I good. think that's what like the mentality right now is that like everything that's going on in the world. We just, the, the, the church is important because that's where people get discipled. That's where they learn right. about Jesus Christ and that's where they learn about the Great Commission. Church is important. With us as evangelists, we're reaching people. We got to send them to the church. There, It's crucial that we have the churches. But right now, I feel like the time that we're living in right now is not time to play games. We need to unify. We all need to come together. It doesn't matter what denomination, what. We need to unify under Jesus Christ and we need to go out and reach the world. There, let's go, Ryan. You know what I mean? Let's go. And, and, and honestly, that's what you're doing. Doing. And you're doing it in a way that I have never seen before. The way that you're reaching people, I think of what Paul said, I become all things to all men that I might win some. And I think that a lot of people assume, oh, Ben, you skateboard so that you can reach people. I'm like, no, I skateboard because I like to skateboard. skateboard. Exactly. You know, and yeah. I think you're so authentic. I don't feel like you're doing stuff to, I don't feel like you're putting on a facade in order to reach people. I feel like you are who you are and you can reach a whole group of people that, that the institution can't reach because you're genuine. Dude, Do you know so what I awesome. mean? Yeah. And, and you're, you're willing to become all things to all men, but remain genuine and not have cognitive dissonance. That's a difficult thing to do, to not be disingenuous and yet reach a whole group of people that are unreached. And I think the way that you're able to do that is because you're a PK and you're a little crazy like me. <laughs> and you can, you can, do you yeah. know what I mean? That's authentic to who you are. Dude, that's awesome. Yeah. I was just uh, talking with uh, Chad. Uh, I need to connect you with him. Chad. Johnson from Come Live. They do a lot of outreach stuff. I need to connect you for their podcast. They're, they work with a lot of musicians and stuff. But we were just talking about, you know, reaching people. And and they're like, well, yeah, you know, you work in the metal scene. I said, well, hold on, hold on. I go, I'm a skateboarder from Southern California, number yeah. one. But I go, I work with all people. Yeah. I'm part of the Whosoever's movement. The movement is the move of the Holy Spirit. I yeah. go wherever the Holy Spirit opens doors. I've been on tour with Fifth Harmony, that that pop band. I've been on uh, with, with Head on tour with Slipknot. Uh, yeah. In in the auditorium after they get out and we're in front of thousands of people giving the gospel, doing you know telling people to come to Jesus. Yeah. I'm I'm like leading DJs to the Lord on planes. I'm going to like the raves, yeah. talking to DJs and stuff backstage. I I I am I, I'm a believer in Christ. My identity is in Christ. Yes, I skateboard, but I'm not changing to do any anything. I'm just going wherever God leads. Right. And God, like you and me. He's just placing us in different places and he keeps it interesting and fun. You're right. You know what I mean? And it's so, that's one of the things I want to show people and I've always had a desire to do this is the, that the meaning of life is to enjoy the joy of being enjoyed by God. That walking with God should be so fun. Yeah. It should be so fun. And I don't just mean youth group zany fun. Like we're playing dodgeball. Yeah, exactly. As, 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 as good as that is for youth group kids. I mean, no matter what your age is or stage of life you're in, 
Walking with God should be so fun. It doesn't say at the right hand of the Lord, there are bummers forevermore. It says at the right hand of the Lord, there are pleasures forevermore. And, and like bringing it full circle, dude, like thinking of my story and how broken I was yep. in my, in my emotional state, how depressed yep. my message is like, if God could heal me, he can heal anybody. anybody. If God could teach me fun ventures and friend ventures with God and squad, he can do that for anybody. If God could bring me hope, he can bring anybody hope. So that's why I would say like the, the chief demographic, if I had to choose yep. that I want to reach is the heartbroken, the people who struggle with depression, the people who can't find hope. And right now, dude, that's our generation. I was just going to say, you have a massive audience. Yeah. Hey, we're going to go to break in a minute, but people need to find out about your books mm -hmm. and everything you're doing. Plug all your stuff so they can find you right now. You can just go to my website, bencorson.com. And so B-E-N-C-O-U-R-S-O-N.com. You have so a couple books out. What's the first book about? Optimisfits. Yep. Optimistic Misfits, Igniting a Fierce Rebellion Against Hopelessness, and you're in that book. And that color of that book the, is amazing is sick, as well. The orange. And yeah. then Flirting with Darkness is yep. about building hope in the face of depression. So you can get those anywhere, but also on my website. And you, you're like, you have a bunch of like TV shows and stuff, right? Yeah, Hope Generation. So it's on TBN and Hillsong Channel and uh, 21 networks total. So Amazing. Yeah. And then you have a, you have a new project coming out, but you can't talk about that yet, right? Uh, well, I do have a new book coming out in okay. January, but I haven't announced it yet. <laughs> <laughs> what a place to do it, though. That's going to be sick, man. Yeah. Well, dude, uh, you know, we're going to be going to uh, break in a minute, man. But again, this show has been epic and it's been long overdue. And I'm literally praying and waiting. You know, we, we will do a tour one day. We've just we been both to. touring like crazy. But but weirdly, both of our separate tours have intersected I so know. many times <laughs> where we end up speaking together. So it's I think it's going to happen. I, I got this crazy idea. Like, it'd be sick to, like, imagine to pick a couple uh, of, like, the... Um, some of the pastor's kids. Nate Heidsick, John. Get, get a couple Lori. guys and yeah. do like a little mini tour together. That oh, would be so that would dumb. just be so fun. Pastor's gone wild tour. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're gonna be going to the break right now. Remember, you can go to the whosoevers.com. Um, you can check out our films. Uh, we got the podcast there. You get all the past shows. Everything's there. Product, all that good stuff. We are touring. We are continuing to hit skate parks and schools. We'll talk to you in two minutes right after the break. More of The Ryan Reese Show coming up. Post your questions at Ryan Reese on his Instagram, Twitter, and or Facebook. Now, back, back to The Ryan Reese Show. All right. Second half going down yes sir are you ready ben corson i'm ready dude so if you guys are just tuning in i got ben corson in studio you guys obviously have heard him on several of these stations that this is aired um he has several books out you can go to bencorson.com mm -hmm. it's all there you got two books out and then you got one in the works that you have not announced yet and uh you are really um we've toured a lot well, actually, we haven't toured together, but we have met each other on tour because mm -hmm. you're a madman. You're a pastor's kid. You your, too. Your son's, uh, your dad's, uh, uh, I was going to say Ben Corson, John Corson, and uh, you're in a traveling evangelist, and you yeah. have inspired me. The times when I'm not touring, I'm sitting at home, yeah. I'm just watching your Instagram, and I'm just like, dang, he's out there. I want to be out there. And then I text you, and I'm like, dude, I'm so stoked for you right now. Isn't that, isn't that, the, <laughs> isn't that the, the, the great thing about like uh, provoking one another to love and good works? Yes. You kind of provoke each other. It's like, if you're out there, Ryan, I'm like, I got to get after it. Dude, for if, real. If I'm out there, you, you're like, I got to get after it. And I think that great friends do that. They make each other better. It's like yeah. pushing higher. Heck yeah, you're supposed to get excited and you're yeah. supposed to encourage your friends to to keep charging. And I, I don't think there's enough of that in the world. You know, people get like, 
you know, they'll get like bummed out or whatever, but you got to like, encourage and be stoked for people when they're going out and, and doing it. You know, it should, ju- it should just inspire you to get more organized and, and figure out what you need to do to, to get the ball rolling. But I, I, I see it out there. And I'm like, man, this is literally like at a radio show. He's at a church. He's here and here and dropping books back to back. And just amazing, man. I love it. You have it. a book coming out, dude. I do. You should talk about that really quick. It's called Kill the Noise. And uh, it's yeah. a it's a faith builder discipleship book for, for people that maybe see our films online, that, that see the ministry, but they want to see. I, you know, I, I wrote it. So any wherever you're at in your your faith walk, right? You're um you're just you don't know who God is, or you need to discover who He is, or maybe you gave your life, you said that prayer, but you don't know what sin is, you don't know who the Holy Spirit is, you don't know what the call of God is, you don't know about the the works of the devil, the enemy it has it all there broken out, so it can answer those questions to wow. get you on the right track, and um to get you moving into the Great Commission. Um, direction because that's wow. what it's all about. Yeah, the Great Commission. I was listening to Greg Laurie on the way up here actually on K Wave today, and uh, he was saying how like a lot of churches talk about you got to get discipled, you got to get discipled, but Jesus says, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teach them to obey my commandments, which is discipleship. Yeah, but then you got to go out and preach the gospel, you know, to the to the other ends of the earth. But we always forget about that. Yeah, and the evangelist. And there has to be more evangelists because if not, you just get fed off the word of God and which is good to know the word because that's the goal. Cause if not, what else are you going to speak to people? Yeah. But the great commission is essential. What, what do you think about the great commission? Well, I love that the, the word euangelion or evan, evangelism, okay. uh, uh, evangelical. It was actually originally a title or it was a word that the Roman Empire would use when a Caesar was born or came to the throne. Hmm. And so I, what I love about that is how, re- and this, this all ties into what we were talking about earlier, how rebellious the biblical authors were in hijacking the gospel. The, the gospel was a royal announcement that a king was born or a king had just won a victory. That was the euangelion. That was the good news. They hijack it and then use it to pronounce another king is on the throne. And that's Jesus. And especially during these political times, like, you know what I mean? It's, it's the, the country is so divided. I just want to keep reminding people there is an overlord. There is a higher throne. There is a greater authority. There is a king above all the other kings. Mm-hmm. And so what's really crazy though, Ryan, is a lot of these biblical authors were very rebellious by hijacking the Caesar language and using it for the gospel. Like, like this is gnarly, but there was a, uh, it was said that Caesar Augustus ascended to the right hand of the throne, the throne of God. So Caesar, Augustus, so what does it say? The Bible says of Jesus that he ascended to the, the right hand, hand of the throne of God or Domitian, the emperor, the Caesar Domitian, he would have a choir follow him around saying, you are worthy, our Lord and God to receive all glory and honor and power. So John takes that phrase and he uses it in revelation no of the Lord. That's amazing. And then there's, there's, there's another one where uh, Augustus was called Deve Filius or Filius Dei on Roman coins in the first century. That meant the son of God. And so there, so now what's the new message is Jesus is the son of God. So there's all these things that are happening that are incredibly rebellious at that time that uh, I think we kind of lose our edge a little bit. And and when it comes to evangelism, you keep the edge. You keep the yeah. sort of rebellious nature, the sort of anti-establishment nature of the thing that I think is very similar to what the early disciples were doing. Well, you know, everything that's even going on with, with politics and all the stuff that's happening right now, 
you know, the, the church, they're coming against the church in, in different ways. They're coming against Turning Point right now. I don't know if you saw the new article, but they're coming I after didn't. Turning Point. And they're, That's they're, Charlie they're, Kirk's they're, thing, yeah. Yeah, they're going after them because they're tax-exempt tax and the whole thing, and they're trying to make uh, donors, you know, these these quiet donors that are funding different ministries and stuff, uh, reveal who they are. Why? Because so they can, you know, people go after them and wow. whatever. But that all leads to the point to where it in these days that we're living in right now is that if you're going to be a gospel gangster or a hope dealer or bring Did you the- ever listen to the gospel gangsters growing no, up? No, They were no. a rap group. Were they? <laughs> yes, dude. You're speaking by PK Christian subculture. <laughs> growing no, up. No, I never heard them. But if going. you're going to bring the good news, yeah. it's, it, it is punk rock. It is, it is, it is, rock, it, is yeah. it is going against the system because the reality is, um, you know, in the culture that I come from, from the music industry and skate industry, like Jesus is not, you don't you don't talk about Jesus in these cultures. You know Jesus is a joke in these cultures because it's he's mocked basically. But be able to come in with the boldness of Christ, but also deliver the gospel, the good news, with grace and truth. Because God doesn't want to turn anything away. He doesn't want to you know fire and brimstone to people. We want to love people like he like the model yeah. of Jesus. The kindness of God draws them to repentance. Loving people and yeah. and not to be like you know loving sin. We're not saying that, but like the, look at the woman at the well. Yeah, Jesus went in. He addressed the issue. Yeah, but he also loved her in the fact just the way he even acted. He went to talk to this woman, and which was broke through all racism at that point. You know, with the Samaritans and the Jews. And then he's asking this woman, which if they even knew who she was, he wouldn't be asking her for water You're right. and the whole thing. And here he is just with kindness. And she was like tripping like, why is this, why is this Jew even talking to me right now? Yep. But he went in acts of kindness, like you said. Well, what's crazy about that story too is in that culture, Samaritan women were considered to have less value than a man's donkey by Jewish people. Are you see, see, and not only that, wow. not only that, but it, it, that's one of the few times it says that the disciples were amazed. So it doesn't say they were amazed that he walked on water, fed 5,000 <laughs> kids with a Lunchable, or rose from the dead. Yeah. In fact, I, in the story when he rose from the dead, it says some doubted. That'd be so annoying. You like rise from the dead and you're like, this is kind of the last trick. Like, I don't, there's, there's nothing it's like It's kind the of the truck. main event. Yeah. This is kind of the rabbit <laughs> out of the hat. And they're like, yeah, I don't know. You know what I mean? But so it doesn't say they were amazed that those, but it says they were amazed that he talked with a woman. Because there, there was a rabbinic saying that if a, if a man prolongs conversation with a woman in the streets, he will end the end inherit Gehenna, which is saying you'll go to hell if you talk to a woman too long. So this so Jesus's longest conversation in public was with a, a, a woman, a Samaritan woman. This this was radical. It would send him to hell in in some rabbinic theology. And that that's the whole, that's how that's how much yeah. he would love the unlovable. And that's what we have to do nowadays is we have to love everybody. And we have to go and we have to bring the truth and not get caught up in looking and judging books by their cover. What mm-hmm. I've, I don't know about you, but what I've noticed is when you like, when I go to shows and, and, and when I see different kids in the streets, like if I see like purple hair and like, you know, kids that just look all like punk rock and, and piercing everywhere, mm-hmm. normally um, a lot of them that I've seen is they have like these deep issues that are going yeah, on in their life. And if course, you go look yeah. at their arm, their arms are shredded. Yeah. And what they're doing is they're just masking uh, the pain and a lot of uh, you know older Christians could look at people and go, oh, these rebellious kids, they stay away from them. You know, they 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 don't want anything to do with God. But actually, what I've noticed is that the crazier people look, the more soft-hearted they are, and the more that they are open to Christ. You're right. You know what I mean? You're right. 
the whosoever's. I, I feel like the, the, that, that's what you guys capitalize on. And I feel like that's what the Lord does. He goes to the disenfranchised, the disinherited, the down and out, the ostracized, those who are pushed to the fringes, pushed to the margins, pushed to the edges. Those are the people that the Lord goes after. Mm-hmm. And so we're both doing that in, in, in our, in our own way. Like you're really able to reach a lot of the punk rock kids that, you know, um, and it's, what's funny. I'm so our TV editor, yeah. he's a young guy. He's a uh, late twenties, I think. Mm-hmm. But he is in a hardcore band. So on the side, he'll travel and, awesome. and he's, he screams. Mm-hmm. And I spoke at one of his events, and that was one of the most loving communities I've ever been in. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm not joking you. Out of all the churches I've ever yeah. been to, this was like pretty high on the list. And, and there's was, no judgment, huh? No judgment. Yeah, you felt like you, you felt was, they're, at they're home. Just a, it, yeah. was a scre- it was like a screamo or hardcore yeah, event. Yeah, yeah felt so at home they and i didn't look like anybody else i know there. but you still felt but, that but, but i loved dude just so, and i came up there and gave a message of hope oh did you and they were like just loving loving on it me. yeah because I, I i was like what are they gonna do yeah, when yeah. i like kind of a preppy kid go up yeah. there and start talking about yeah. love love dude and that's that's what i think is so cool is like you're you're capitalizing on so many people on top of the people that are reached, but you're also reaching a whole other demographic with all the other people you're speaking to that no, that very few people are reaching. And, and I'm trying to go after the heartbroken, the depressed, yeah. you but know, it's that same crowd though. That's it's the, the same. Thing. It and is it like is. the shredded it, it arms. Is. See, and that's yeah. the whole thing is we, we, well, not you and I, but us yeah. as a church, we have to like forget about what people look like yes. because it's the heart issue. And the message is the same. And you know, I was thinking about us at, um, Austin's event. It was you, Austin yes. Carlisle, and myself. It was in Seattle, and you, we were in Washington. Yeah, yeah, yeah it, they it became was, friends with Austin yeah, Carlisle. Yeah, that time, and it yeah. was all, it was like it was like Van's Warp Tour showed up, but you spoke and you gave the message of hope. Yeah, and dude, it related because it's the same message. It's it doesn't message. matter. People need. It doesn't hope. matter. Exactly. It doesn't matter what we look like. You could get up at a skate park. We skate anyway, but you could get up anywhere. And looking how you are, but, and but if you like, th- let me let me clarify. Yeah, if I dropped in, <laughs> I would crash. <laughs> what? So I, I would crash, dude. I love how you're like your daughters are dropping in. They're dropping if, in. If your daughters are dropping in, but if I dropped in, I would eat it. My like Cody, he's he's the real deal when he's, he's doing back. He's a professional. Yeah, he's a professional. And Beaver, do you know Beaver Fleming? I'm. Trying to co- we we, we haven't okay, met so yet, but people are trying to connect this. Because Beaver's one of my best friends. He's ripping. I just he, saw some footage with he him invented recently. The Fleming flip, where he does a backflip with his body, takes his you know tech decks when you were yeah like, yeah yeah. He takes his fingers, flips the board with his fingers while doing a backflip, no. catches it with his fingers and lands his Fleming flip. Named I after. haven't seen that. Uh, yo yeah, dude, we did. I'm about to look it up. Connect with him. Yeah, um, a couple people have been trying to connect me with him. He's I seen him with Bam the other day because Bam resurfaced. He came out to California. He did? He's out here. He's like at Tony Hawk's backyard. That's where B, uh, B, uh, Flemings was with him and a that couple other spots. Me. Yeah, so Bam's uh, resurfacing. So that's but, but, cool. But 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 all that to say, uh, Ryan, yeah. you're you're so right about like. Uh, I really like. I really want to get back to the origins of the Calvary Chapel movement in this sense. When the hippies were coming in, yeah, and they were getting judged, mm-hmm. and they're going to ruin our new carpet. Chuck's yeah. like, then pull out the carpet. Rip it out. And I think that I think you told that story once in one of your mm-hmm. sermons. I could be wrong, probably, yeah. But basically, I want to get back there where where the church isn't so much like, "Hello, I have it all together. This is a museum in a mausoleum mm-hmm. that's showing off." how shiny my life has been. I want it to be more and more like the people who 
really don't look like they belong in a church setting. Those are the ones who should be in here. Mm -hmm. The the publicans, the tax collectors, Mm -hmm. the prostitutes. What does that look like today? Well, tax collectors, if somebody practices tax law, you're not like, oh gosh, that's not, but, but who are the outcasts today? Who are the people who the system doesn't accept today? Those are the people we got to go after. Yeah, I believe that there's a lot of, um, even everything that's going on with the coronavirus and stuff, I feel like pe- there's a lot of people going through some heavy, heavy things. Yeah. And this is the time the church has to really step it up and love people like like it was happening back in the, the old hippie days. You're you right. know, They just love people. And you would see those old films of like some like, Guy in a suit and tie next to some burnt hippie sharing a That's Bible. Like, how cool is that? You know? Because there's 2.18 billion Christians, 41,000 denominations, and Jesus' prayer is that we'd be one. Yeah. You know, like, how cool would that be if we could see the, the suit next to the Mohawk, you know? And, and, and not only that, Ryan, but like this hope message that you and I both share, it's universal. Yeah. There, there, one, once out of every 40 seconds, someone's gonna commit suicide. That's uh, heavy. Th- this is crazy. In 2017, in my age group, suicide was the second leading cause of death. It's like, so, so it's, I think it's not just relegated to that scene. Like it's, it's, it's like mainstream. Yep. No, it is. No, it is totally. I mean, you, we've seen so many uh, different people take their lives just in the, in the news, you know, like celebrities and you have these people that are like at the top of their game and then ultimately take their life. Anthony Bourdain, you know, Robin Williams, of course. Chester. Chester. Yep. Not to mention Kurt Cobain, but like like mm-hmm. all these Ernest Hemingway, you know, and then all these people who struggle with depression, like Tolstoy writing Anna Karenina, and some of these legends. Mm-hmm. The, I, so I think removing the stigma and taboo from depression, not judging the book by the cover, going after the outcasts. The Jesus called them literally the highways and byways. That's not Christianese. That's yeah. what Jesus said. Yeah, that's where we need to go. Yep. Yep. So we got to continue that. And if you're listening, you got to just pray that God will open doors for you to go out and get discipled and then go out and connect with people to go out and share the gospel. Yeah. How, how would you want to encourage people right now to start living the Great Commission? What, what are some basic steps mm-hmm. to like just get it going? Maybe there's someone listening right now and they're like, man, dude, I gave my life to Jesus and I have this like this thing in my heart that I want to go speak to people about Jesus. Like what are some steps to just get it going? Jesus, he said, you, he said, go in all the world, but it wasn't you go. It's let's go. Because what do you say right, right in that passage? He said, lo, I am with you always. And I think that, 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 that dichotomy and contradistinction is important to remember, especially for the first century followers of Jesus who are like starting this new movement. Like, like I think of the whosoever's movement, you know, like it's an, it's a burgeoning movement. And what happens is he says, I am with you always to the ending of the age. So when you go to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the uttermost ends of the earth, it's not you go, it's let's go. I'm with you always. So I think knowing that you are a host and a carrier of the very presence of the Lord, wherever you go, that's going to really take the pressure off. Because it's not like the Lord saying, okay, you go, good luck. Report to me when you get back. Report to me when you get back. (laughs) It's it's go into all the world. Oh, and by the way, I'm lo, I'm with you always, even to the ending of the age. I think that's an important first step. My dad always taught us the awareness of his thereness, the awareness of his thereness. You know, like if you're aware that he's there, that's going to be major in taking all the pressure off you. Um, and But here's another thing. And yeah. I don't really hear people talking about this, so I'm just going to kind of shoot from the hip with this. For me, one of the things that draw that draws people in is when they see me and my friends like loving God and having fun. 
Yes. <laughs> I, yeah, I know that's yeah. not maybe the technically correct answer, but like, no, it's great. That's what, that's just where the fruit is. Yep. People say like, like how I want to hang, like I want to, I want this. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, how can I hang out with, and, and w- the thing we all have in common is it's fun with a purpose. Cause if you're just like skating and being crazy, that, that well runs dry. Yeah. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, yeah. like I love EDM. What happened to EDM? Like, it's not as big as it was in 2017, you know, like, or those hype videos that are some of my favorites. Like, they're not as popular anymore because what happens is if there's not a deep, 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 like, eternal meaning behind what you're yep. doing, the trends come and go. So it, our, our, our common shared love for God and love for the send, that... I think is honestly huge. And, and that's, that's what you do. Like you bring skateboards to skate parks. Yeah. And I just think pe- people, they don't want a faith that's miserable. Like they don't want a faith. That's like, why are you making an agony out of your religion? That's not attractive. And I think sometimes the people who are, are most judgmental about getting people to fulfill the great commission are also the ones undoing the very thing that they're trying to accomplish. Cause they're so miserable. That's not going to be appealing to anybody. There has to be fun. Ministry, to be ministry fun. Do, serving God is fun. And fun in depth are not antonyms or antithetical to one another. It's not like you either have fun or you're deep. No, yeah. you can have happy depths. And that, that, I think that's huge. Well, it's, dude. it's funny because I've taken a couple of volunteers on tour and, and, uh, you know, they're like, okay, so they all, like, you know, they're showing up and they're like all kind of like, you know, okay, we're, we're going to go on the spiritual journey. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. I've read my Bible a hundred times. I'm ready to go. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, you ready to party? They're like, what? And I'll just throw on some crazy music and we, yeah. we show up, we show up to the event, get the kids all hyped up and the kids are going crazy, losing their mind. We got the mascot, guys are doing tricks off the stage, you know, if we're at like, you know, in Columbia or whatever, we're causing a riot. Right, and then next, you know, you grab the mic, and then you just get real. You preach the gospel, and you lead the kids to the Lord, and you pray with them. And they're just like, "Dude, we didn't know that you could actually That's have right. secular music. We thought you had to have worship." <laughs> I'm like, "Bro, that was all like EDM music. That was all dubstep, actually, that we played the whole time." You know, they're like, "I didn't know you could do it like that. Yeah. What, you can't have a good time? Yeah. Like, I didn't have to usher in the Holy Spirit with the worship. Like, like you said, I'm a carrier of the Holy you Ghost. Host the the Holy Ghost is in me. Yeah. He flows through me." I'm read. I know the Bible. I'm, I'm I'm reading the Bible. I'm have a devotional life. I'm prayer life. So when I show up, when you show up, we're rolling with the Holy Ghost. There you go. That's and, it. And honestly, a lot of it's your ability to pivot. And I just learned this the other day in uh, Georgia. I was just in Georgia with a friend of mine who plays for the S- S- Pittsburgh Steelers in the NFL, and another pastor friend from Miami. That's sick. I love the Steelers. Yeah, let's go, dude. So we were <laughs> we were. You know Minka Fitzpatrick? Huh? Yeah, the safety. So he he saw that. He loves God, dude. So we, we were on this, but like one minute we're at the campfire. There's just five of us and I couldn't stop laughing. Like I, I, I was like, I was like, uh, you, you know, when you're supposed to be serious and that's what makes the not like it just makes lose it, yeah. so much more funny. <laughs> so like I was trying not to lose it for probably 20 minutes and it, it, it was just so my friend Dakota was just being doing all these antics and I was cracking up. So one minute we're like adventuring and like swimming in this lake in 30 degree weather and just like really sending, you know? Yeah. And the next minute we're by ourselves for an hour reading a book on spiritual leadership. That's amazing. It's like, wh- wh- yeah. why can't you do these? Th- why can't you pivot? It's like either you're going to party or you're going to like be spiritual. And it's like, no, these things are actually complimentary when you do them in, in an intentional way. So I, I think more and more, I want to show people that ability to pivot. Like, cause, cause you also share a message. That's the thing. Yeah, of course. If, if you were just there playing dubstep or EDM, yeah. then it's like, okay, it's like a party. 
if you were just going there to share a spiritual journey, then it's like, okay, it's, it's a very serious thing. But when you can pivot and do both of them, yep. like go back and forth. Cause what's interesting is when you're going deep into like quote unquote spiritual matters, eventually you need a break. Like you need like, okay, I need some levity. But if you're, if you only have levity and, and you're partying eventually, like this feels like unfulfilling, but if you can pivot back and forth, I think that's a killer combination. And with the Great Commission, I think it's that way too. Yes, we have serious conversations, but yes, we also send it. It's all, Exactly. And it's almost like, you know, um, I feel like it's a, it, it breaks down the barrier. Like when we go to people, because people ask me, well, how, what do you do at the skate parks? I said, dude, we go and we go skate. We go, how do your best trick? We shred. We meet up with everyone. That's right. We walk in. First, everyone's like, who are these guys? You know, they, they know that we're coming. And then we and skate. And you bring a lot of, uh, are some of these, your skaters like insanely good? No, dude, well, no. Sometimes we just show up just with our friends. You know, yeah. like we're, like the, the skaters are the kids that are there. Yeah. That The best trick is for them. Like we have yeah. our friends that shred like Jairus and them. Yeah, but yeah, they, yeah. they don't go to every park. Sometimes it's yeah, just yeah, me and course. a couple guys. You know, I'm 45 and I, I'm skating, but can I'm not. You, can, can, could you ever like double kickflip? No, only only single kid flip. Okay, keep going. Yeah, I don't got enough flick for that. But uh, <laughs> but anyway, my point is like we go there and we skate and and what us skating with the kids and we just have normal mainstream music on. Yeah, we skate with the kids and dude, we break all the barriers because we're shredding with the kids for like That's two right. hours, having the time of our life. And then then it goes from not like like Jesus. It's not you go. It's let's go. Yeah, that's what you're doing. It's not. It's not. Uh, you listen. It's we're together. Yeah. So by the time that ha- you're shredding with, so them. by the time that happens, yeah. we, we we get done skating. We give away money for the best trick. We give away yeah. all the prizes. We don't even give the gospel before that. We give away everything before, so they have yeah. a choice to leave. Yeah. And then by the time we're all done, it's we're already in a frenzy. Everyone's stoked. They're eating pizza. We're hanging out. And I'm like, hey man, we just want to share how why many, we came. How many people have responded to the the, the 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 your message? Have you have you guys kept track over the years? Well, just in the high schools, we saw about seventy five hundred or seventy five thousand in the in the high schools. Seventy five thousand. That's just in high schools in like four or five years. But that's not even that's not even before. But that's, that's like we're talking Billy Graham numbers. here. That wasn't before. Uh, that was our music festivals, all the concerts and everything we were at before. That was just the high schools because that's the only time we started. So keeping are we track. talking more one hundred and fifty thousand? Yeah, I mean, definitely probably more. Yeah. Wow, man. But we never even counted. We just, we're in high schools and we started, yeah. like, we're like, well, we should probably count just to kind of see for donors. But then we're like, we don't even count anymore. Wow. But God just does it. But I mean, you're, wow. you've been in front of thousands and I mean, so but, but, but it's, it's so like, like Ryan, that's why I love this conversation with you because you really get it. Like there's not me having to try to get you on my page or you trying to get yeah. like we, you were really on the same wavelength and we, we have like, God has used us to reach a lot of people. And, and I hope that people will listen to us and have two things. Number one, hope for the next generation. Yes. You know, cause a lot of people are listening on the radio right now and they're wondering, is there hope for the next generation? And we look at, look at 75,000 people have come to faith since you've, and that's just people coming forward. That's not people you preach to. Yeah. Yeah. 75,000. And that's just over a, f- a few years in high schools only. There is so much hope for this next generation. And I'm out there getting after it even during COVID and seeing so many people finding hope in the face of depression. That's what it's all about. And so I, I just want to encourage people. There is hope for this next generation. And also if you're listening and you're like, I feel like the outcast, I feel like I don't have the ability to even get out of bed in the morning. I just want to encourage you on your very worst day with God, I promise you, you're going to be better off than on your best day without God. And I think that your testimony really, really speaks to that. And also when you're going through your worst 
God is planning his best. Cause why we talked about in our first half, like a lot of gnarly stuff that I went through, but, but you know what? Some of the best, most meaningful memories of my life have come from being able to minister to people from my wounds. Okay. So check this out, Ben. The end of the show is happening right now. This show has been epic. Mm -hmm. Listen, I need to have you back. We got to continue. Yes. Part two. Okay. Thank you for being on, man. I love you. I love you. Peace. This has been The Ryan Reese Show. To connect and find out more about Ryan, click on ryan-reese.com. Check us out next Saturday at 9 p.m. for The Ryan Reese Show.